You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. We're authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin, and we're here to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Tune in each week to real life conversations with the experts about real issues Christian parents face today. If you're ready to learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hi, friends. I'm Erin Mooring. Hey, everybody. It's Brooke McLaughlin. We are so happy to be here with you today to talk about something that I think you're really going to love. Yes, we are... um, hoping that you have been really blessed this holiday season and are enjoying time with your family, whoever that may be. And uh, that's what we're doing too, just soaking up family time. I think, Brooke, I think I speak for both of us when I say it's kind of nice to have some extra time with our older kids who are usually go, 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 go. Like if that's, like that's a silver lining for me this year. Cause my oldest started high school and Brooke, your oldest is in high school. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey, I actually get to see you even though you're in high school now. And that's, that's kind of nice. Yeah, so. it really is. It's been great just to have them here. I mean, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie. They've been playing a, a few video games and things like <laughs> that with their friends. Same. I'm not going to say that it's been like all family time, all the heavens open and the angels mm. sing the no. entire time that we've been on break, but um, because they love, they love to do that with their friends. But um, it, it really has been nice to not really be able to go anywhere or yeah. do anything. And, you know, I remember last year, uh, my older son played JV basketball last year and there was a tournament that started the day after Christmas. It was a three-day basketball tournament oh. that we had to drive an hour away to get to the day after Christmas. Oh. And we were like, I mean, it was fun, but at the same time, we were like, gosh, we just don't get any downtime at all. And now yeah. if there's one blessing of 2020, it's that I think most of us have a little bit more downtime than we had Last, this time last year. So I'm personally grateful for that as well. Yeah. And I am with you. There has been um, some of that forced everybody in a different space for a little bit. <laughs> yes. I love you all. I can tell that you love each other and we're bordering on not loving each other well. <laughs> so everybody just take, take a few, go read in a place away from everyone else. Yes. For a little bit. And then we'll all be happier. (laughs) Yes. I mean, you know, togetherness is good, but there's something to be said for a little bit of alone time as well. And I'm happy to hear you say that as an extrovert, because as an introvert, I mean, you guys know, like I've got to have, like, it's, it's not just a want, it's a need. I need time alone. So togetherness is great, but sometimes I really, I need that space Mm -hmm. from my family Mm -hmm. just to recover and things like that. So it makes me feel a little bit more normal that the extrovert of this team is saying the same thing. Um, Yeah, there's this whole idea that extroverts just always want people around. And that's true. I do enjoy community. But when it's people who need stuff from you all the time, it's very different. And I discovered that as, as, uh, as I added more children to our home and thought, I thought I was an extrovert, but man, I just don't want anybody around right now. <laughs> yep. I mean, I think I have probably been known to say, everybody go away and leave me alone. <laughs> and it sounds like such a bad mother thing to say, but really, I think it's a healthy thing to just be able to say, I, I need a minute. Just give me a minute. Yep. And, and yep. it's human and it teaches our children that we're human and we need, we need space. We all do. We need, we need that. So yeah, let me give you a tip. If you're in the middle of break and you need some of that time, our kids, the rule is a half hour of reading earns you an hour of video game time. And that is not during school weeks that for us, it's just on the weekends, but over breaks, it's the same thing. So that will buy you an hour and a half of time by yourself. Also, and if you have a really like, you know, a a high uh, performing child, they might read for several hours and then want several hours of video time. And then you've got the whole day, mama. I mean, (laughs) you're 
I mean, think of the possibilities here, Think people. of the possibilities. Uh, that is a great thing. That is fantastic. I'm excited because my son, my youngest son has had an assignment to read over. Like he has to have a book done by the cert, by a certain time. So that's been a good thing for us to say, like, you have to go read for half an hour yep. or you're never going to get through this book. So, because <laughs> right. yeah, it's a thick book. So anyways, we are super excited to be here today with one of our favorite guests. Stacey Thacker is with us to talk about 10 things that 2020 has taught us about prayer. And man, Erin, has it ever taught us some things about prayer. Amen to that. Consider this kind of a bonus episode, if you will. Now that Christmas is over and 2021 is right around the corner, we thought it would be a good time to reflect on everything the Lord has taught us about prayer in a very, very strange, I feel like that's an understatement, year that we've called 2020. Strange. Yes. I think I could think of some other words to call 2020, (laughs) but we'll just call it, we'll call it strange. Before we dive in today, we want to make sure that you know about the prayer resource that Stacy and I actually wrote together called Everyday Prayers for Hope. I'm going to show you it right now. This is the Everyday Prayers for Hope. It's a prayer journal. Um, It is in the same, you know, kind of format as our other prayer journals, except This is a 40-day prayer journal instead of a 20. Every other one that we've released so far has been a 20-day prayer journey journal. And in this one, you get 40 days. So that's been exciting. We wrote this together and would just say, you know, if you're waving the white flag over there on the other end of the screen, if you're begging God to give you a little bit of hope as we close out 2020, we've got some good news for you. Yes. Hope made his entrance in Luke chapter 2. Love love. Every time I hear Luke chapter two, I think, oh yeah. So, um, I mean, hope made its entrance in probably the messiest place possible. Um, I think we need to focus on that. It was a stable full of animals in a world full of turmoil. I mean, we think our world is in turmoil now. It's not the first time that's happened. Our world has been in turmoil before and Jesus is hope with skin on then and now, and he isn't afraid to get in the messes of our lives with us. So some of you may know that Stacy just released a brand new book called Threadbare Prayer. I've got a copy of it here as well. I had the privilege of reading this book early. Stacy sent it to me and I was able to read it when my, my oldest son was in the hospital getting some testing done. Everything's okay, but we had to go through some testing. And it was just, I think I, I sent you a message that day, Stacy, and I said, I just felt like, I mean, I know that God is with me all the time. I know that as a believer, I have the spirit of the living God living inside of me. He is in a very real way with me everywhere I go in every circumstance. But I just felt like Jesus came and joined me there in that hospital room that day. And it was so, so good. So Threadbare Prayer, the subtitle is Prayers for Hearts That Feel Hidden, Hurt, or Hopeless. And and Aaron and I would like to make you a deal, a special deal. If you purchase Threadbare Prayer between now and midnight on December 31st, we are going to give you a free digital copy, not the physical copy, but a digital copy of Everyday Prayers for Hope. So here's how it's going to work. All you need to do is go purchase a copy of Threadbare Prayer anywhere books are sold, and then you're going to forward your receipt to us at millionprayingmoms at gmail.com, and we will automatically send you your free digital copy of Everyday Prayers for Hope right away. But we have to get the email on or before December 31st. So go grab your copy of Threadbare Prayer right now and get that started. That is a tongue twister there to say over and over again. So I'm glad I don't have to say it, it, but I (laughs) I will say that every prayer I have read in that has made me cry. And I think it's because it speaks to such a deep place that sometimes we don't even know how to name what we're feeling. Um, and so every time I have read one of those and some of you might go, well, I'm not really feeling like that, that far gone. That's me. I'm the one who says that a lot because of my extrovert and, you know, optimist tendencies, but reading those really like revealed something in me that was hidden or hurt Mm -hmm. or feeling hopeless that I wasn't even willing to go there with. I'm an Enneagram seven. We don't like awful feelings. <laughs> we, we run away from those bad feelings. Like I'm feeling really 
sad about something today, I'm going to watch a Hallmark movie, <laughs> like not deal with it. I mean, that's what, that's what an Enneagram seven does. And I feel like reading that book and those prayers was like forcing me to address things that I didn't want to deal with. And that's good. It that's, is I mean, good. that's good. And I also we, think we all have, to, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or wherever you are on the Enneagram or any other personality test, we all have moments that sometimes sneak up on us that feel mm -hmm. threadbare. And so even if you're not in a place right now where you are feeling threadbare, although I do believe with all my heart that this is a very timely message for the year 2020 and beyond, um, wouldn't it be nice to have that resource mm -hmm. with, in your home or, you know, on your Kindle or whatever, when you need it, you know, right. you might not think you need it right now, but you may need it at some point in the future. So go grab it and then send us the receipt to millionprayingmoms at gmail.com and we'll get you your free prayer journal. Right. And we also want to make sure you know about Brooke's new podcast. She prays. Yay. This new podcast for women will help you make prayer your game plan for all of life inspiring you to go to God first instead of last and learn how to let God's word inspire effective prayers that availeth much. You might not hear that word often, but if you've been around here, you have. You so have. <laughs> if you're a woman who wants to learn more about talking to God in prayer, check out She Prays on iTunes and get subscribed right away. Thank you. I'm super excited about this new podcast, which is not supposed to be in competition with this one. It is a compliment to this one. So right. I'm really excited about being able to offer that. So thank you for that. All right, let's get moving forward with uh, today's episode. Our guest today really doesn't need much of an introduction because she's been a regular on the Million Praying Moms podcast since we started, but we'll go ahead and tell you about her anyways, just in case you've had your head in the sand and don't know who Stacey is. Stacey Thacker is an author, blogger, speaker, and believer who loves God's word. I think if you, if you have a few minutes with Stacey, that's what you'll walk away with is that she loves God's word and connecting with women. Her passion is to encourage women in their walks with God and equip them to study the Bible. She created the blog community, Mothers of Daughters, around about the same time that Aaron and I created um, the Mob Society for Mothers of Boys, and now blogs on her site, stacythacker.com. She's the author of six books, including the ones that we wrote together in the Hope for the Weary Mom series, and now her latest, Threadbare Prayer. Thank you so much for joining us today, Stacey. We are so glad that you're here. Tell everybody a little bit about you and your family. Well, hey guys, it's great to be back. I'm so glad to be back. Um, I, I don't know what else I can say. Uh, Stacey Thacker, I've been married 26 years. What in the world is that? <laughs> 26 years. Um, it sounds like a lifetime. Um, my husband and I live in central Florida with our four daughters with very different ho home lives than these two lovely ladies do because <laughs> we have all girls where they have all boys. Um, our oldest is 21. Our next oldest just turned 18. So I, two oh, adults. I can't even believe that. I know two adults. I y'all what in the world. And then a 14 year old and a, an 11 year old. So we have quite a busy, crazy house. And yes, we've all been together, lots of togetherness, lots of living life on top of each other, literally mm -hmm. lots of words, lots of emotions, um, but we're, we're doing okay. We've weathered it. You know, we are a, a family that tends to be home a lot anyway. And so it, this past year wasn't a huge change in our lifestyle. So for that, we're grateful. They've been missing their, their friends and missing all those things as extracurriculars, but we've been okay throughout this season. Um, yeah, I'm writing. I, that's how we all met. We all met on Twitter, which <laughs> I don't even know crazy? if anybody's on Twitter in, anymore, but it's so true. <laughs> well, I, I, hate, I, was, I hate Twitter now. Like I get well, on Twitter and I'm like, so Oh, much. I don't like it. <laughs> we used to have like parties on Twitter, you know? Yeah. So yes. Um, but I've just been sitting here listening to these two and I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, we've known each other for like 10 years. Yes. I, think -ish. Yep. Yeah. I can't even believe that you just said your youngest was 11. I was like, I whoa, whoa, I know. wait a minute. <laughs> I know. Aaron has a high schooler that I, I, I can't, I can't I, still call the little one, little J. So, so everywhere I still referenced my kids. I don't use their names on, on social media at all. And it was always big J and little J because when I started blogging, we only had two and they were, uh, well, I started blogging when my middle guy was two months old and he will be 13 next wow. June. So yeah. So this is like, it feels like a lifetime. 
Um, but, but there were two of them. So it was big J and little J and then we added a third J. <laughs> so we have still big J, little J, who is not the youngest and then double J. Double so J. <laughs> that's, I know it's confusing and I feel bad that he's still little J, but <laughs> that's what they are. That's, that's what I call right. them all. I know my kids say to me, or my youngest says to me all the time, mom, I'm not your baby. Stop calling me baby. I'm not a baby anymore. And I'm like, dude, you will always be my baby. Like there's nothing you can do to undo that. You are going to always be my baby. So I will call you baby if I want to. I just won't scream it out loud at baseball games. Yes. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's the compromise. Yes. (laughs) I love it. All right, so Stacy, as we are closing out 2020 this week, we wanted to do a roundup of sorts, or I mean, everybody's doing roundups of everything, like what music did you listen to most, the books you read the most, all of that. But we want to do a list of things God has taught us about prayer as we've walked through this, whatever we want to call it, year. I, I like to use the phrase dumpster fire, but I don't know. <laughs> That's one of our favorite uh, gifts around our house is the dumpster fire that's going down a flooded road. Have you seen this one? It's a dumpster on fire being carried along in a flood. And I'm like, that's 2020. That's 2020. (laughs) So let's focus on the good and the things that we have learned in this dumpster fire of a year. And we would love for you to kick us off, Stacy. and we'll just take turns sharing. So if you want to go first and share one of your things that you've learned about prayer, and then Brooke will do one, and then I'll do one, and we'll just kind of round robin it like that. How's that sound? It sounds great. I, right. I have that mental image now of 2022, and I'm like, yep, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> Um, first of all, I just want to address the fact that Brooks mentioned two prayer resources I've released in one year and I'm sitting here thinking, I, I do not feel like a prayer warrior. So if you're out there listening and like, oh man, so wise on prayer. No, <laughs> not, not me at all. I am the most unlikely prayer warrior. I will say from the top of the show. So anything you hear, just know it's all grace, um, all Jesus. Um, but probably the first thing I would say is that I think a lot of times when we come to prayer or when someone is going through a hard time, we'll say, oh, all I can do is pray. But what I've realized this year is that prayer is the work. And and in that work, God is allowing us to join him in what he's actually doing. We get to be part of that. You know, the irony about Threadbare is that I wrote it in December of 2019. So a year ago, I was cranking out these 100 prayers, had no clue no clue of the dumpster fire coming, no clue of what this year would look like and how it would be so unprecedented and how there'd be so many changes and how we didn't even know the thought of COVID-19. It wasn't even in our minds that something like this could shut everything down so quickly. But what I've learned in that is that prayer is something that we engage with God in, and it's not a small thing. It is the work. It's the spiritual work. It's a work of our hearts. It's a work of connecting with God. It's a work that we can, we can do for anyone at any time. You know, you can pray anywhere and you, and, and so that having that mindset that prayer is the work, I think has helped me to see that it's not the only thing I can do. It is the best thing yes. I can do. Yeah. I love that so much. I, I know I often get questions and I've tried to answer these um, in various places. And, and I will say people who are much smarter than me and have spent much longer studying prayer and theology have tried to answer these questions and still not done a super great job of it. So there is a sense of mystery about prayer that I think we just have to acknowledge. Um, you know, we believe that God is sovereign. And so if, if God is going to do what God is going to do, why do I pray? But it's because it is the work that, well, first of all, it's because God told us to, right? So at its very basic level, it's an obedience issue. God asked us to pray, but also because the work of prayer, somehow in some way we get to partner with God in what he's doing. And none of us really know how that works or why it works. We just know it does. And so I I love that. I, I have really enjoyed it learning that reality as, as God has grown me in my own prayer life. I would say for me, one of the things that has been really important to me in 2020, um, Aaron and I did a class, an online class for the upcoming homemaking ministries online 
conference and it was called the Lord's Prayer for Busy Moms. And we'll, we'll link to that in our show notes. You can still get tickets to it. But I took some time in 2020 because of that class to study the Lord's Prayer like I had never studied the Lord's Prayer before. I mean, I have had the Lord's Prayer memorized since I was like a little kid in vacation Bible school. I have it memorized in the King James Version because that's the way we memorize things. That and Psalm 23. There For me, that's the King James Version is the way those come out. And so I've said it. I've quoted it mindlessly together with the body of Christ hundreds, maybe thousands of times in, in my 42 years on this earth but I'd never really taken the time to seriously study it. And one of the things in the Lord's Prayer that just absolutely punched me in the gut was that we are praying for God's kingdom to come, not mine. And I think we get so caught up. In fact, I think as as we interact with people who tell us that they, you know, they don't pray or, or they've prayed and prayed and God never does anything that that he never answers their prayers. So, so they've quit asking for certain things or God hasn't really been good to me. I feel like this is maybe the root of all of those things is that we are so wrapped up in praying for God to make our kingdom come that we forget that the reason we're here is is to aid in whatever way he calls us to for his kingdom to come, not our kingdom to come. And so while it's not wrong for us to pray for the things that we need, it's not wrong for us to pray when we're sick. It's not wrong for us to pray for provision. It's not wrong for us to pray for the things that we need. But it is wrong, I think, for us to pray for those and forget that God will answer them in a way that brings his kingdom forward instead of our kingdom forward. And I, I listened to, and again, we'll, we'll quote or put this in the show notes, but I had the opportunity to listen to Elizabeth Elliot teach on the Lord's Prayer. And I remember her talking about this particular verse and she, she spoke about it um, in terms of like what her prayers were like right after her husband, Jim, was, was killed um, on the missionary field. And she said, I felt like the Lord said to me that he had, you know, that, that I am just one part of the much bigger view or, or, uh, part of, of God's kingdom. I'm just one little part of it. And that God had so, not that he didn't care about me, but that he had so much more to, to worry about than just one believer and her fatherless child. And I thought, oh my gosh, that was hard. Like that was really because, because we think, my goodness, how, how could, how could she even think that? That's so, un, it's just so foreign to the way that we see the world. Like if God doesn't give us what we want, or if he doesn't answer things the way we want him to, or if God forbid, he says no, to us, which is still an answer, right? People say, well, God doesn't answer my prayers. And sometimes he just says no, and that's an answer. But we think if God doesn't give us what he wants, then he's not being good to us or that he doesn't care about us. And the reality is that we are just one small part of his whole kingdom. And he has not given us the ability to see everything he's doing. And that just really, really grabbed me as, as I was reading through the Lord's Prayer and studying it. And of course, my first thing would be in line with the Lord's Prayer as well, because we did spend a lot of time studying it. And like you said, really learning more about what it means for me as an adult woman than it meant as something I just memorized. Um, and so when I was thinking through what I've learned about prayer this year, the first thing that came to me was from the Lord's prayer as well. <laughs> so, Not a surprise, but God really revealed to me this year that a lot of my focus is on things I might need, might need possibly way down the road, that type of thing. And if I go back to Enneagram type stuff, I, I'm a wing six for mine. And that is like, I need to plan for the worst case scenario that that's how it comes out in me. And that's sometimes how I pray. Like, okay, if this happens, then God, will you do this? And you know, like, what am I going to do? And how are you going to help me? And all of that type of stuff. 2020 
was the year that God showed me to pray more for daily bread, which for me means exactly what I need to do his will that day. So a lot of times people would say, how are you doing? I'm like, well, today, this is how I feel. Or what are you guys planning to do for whatever? And I would say, right now our plan is this, but I really have no idea what tomorrow will bring. So I can tell you what our plan is today, but we're holding it very loosely. And what I learned about prayer, and it says specifically, give us this day our daily bread. That means give us, Lord, just what we need to get through this day serving you and glorifying you. And that day, it might be some boldness to, to speak truth. It might be just the strength to make it through a day of mothering. Um, it might be wisdom to talk my teenager through whatever new challenge has come up in his social life. I don't, I don't even know. And so I've also learned that I don't know what I'm going to need that day, but he does. So when, I, when I'm asking him for my daily bread, I'm saying, God, I can't even name it right now because only you know what is going to come my way today. But Lord, please give me exactly what I need for this day to live for you. And, you know, I've, I say this all the time on here that I am a control freak. So that's, that's hard to not know what's coming. But praying, you know, like you said, with praying for his kingdom to come, we, we don't know what that looks like exactly. When we pray that, we are trusting him. And when we pray for our daily bread and don't name specifically what that's going to be, we are trusting him. And I think he honors that. I, I know he honors that because it's not asking for what my small human mind can comprehend that I might need that day. It's asking him to give whatever it is I might need. And he knows best of all. That's good. That's good, Erin. I'm, I'm going to add this one because I think it kind of combines both of those. I think it's another, it's, it's a good direction to go is that prayer is humbling. And I think sometimes that might be why we resist and why we try to do everything on our own first. But in both of those that you just said, praying for his kingdom to come and trusting God with the immediate need as something as basic as bread to ask God to provide it. It's humbling. And what happens, I think for me is I think I can rule over my kingdom. I got my kingdom. I got my people. I got what I need, you know, until something comes up against me that I can't rule over. So what prayer does is it reminds me that I'm not in charge of my little kingdom, <laughs> even though it feels like I am. Um, and that fixing my own problems in my own way is not going to result in peace. It may, may be for like temporary fleeting peace, but long-term peace is not, my kingdom is not going to have peace if I'm trying to rule over it on my own. And I need to be reminded that when I'm praying for his kingdom to come and him to provide for my daily bread, that he is the alpha and the omega, and he deserves not just my asks and my petitions, but my praise as well. And I think what I love about both of you talking about the Lord's prayer is that when they asked, he just said it and it just, it was so foreign to how they'd been taught to pray. And I just think there's so much wisdom in there. Anytime that you can camp out in a passage that we, that, you know, Jesus spoke while on this earth, I think is such a treasure. But I think for me, remembering those things that prayer is humbling and it's a surrender. It's coming and offering and saying in that moment, Lord, if your kingdom coming looks like a global pandemic, because it's going to bring people to you, it's going to sift the church. It's going to make us all trust you a little bit more. Like if that's what it looks like, you're using this to bring your kingdom about, then Lord, I trust you. That's, that's not an easy, that's humbling. That's it truly is humbling. very humbling. I was writing something this morning on Instagram um, related to the last episode of the podcast that, that Aaron and I did. And you guys have heard me talk about this before, but I, I just don't love affirmations and, you know, I am this and I am that and, and all these things that I, I think our culture is so obsessed with me and individualism and this is who I am. And, and it's not that I think there's anything wrong with knowing who we are in Christ, 
I think that's good. I just know that I don't necessarily need to look at myself. I need to look at God. And, and that's one of the things that Aaron and I talked about in the last episode was we really feel like in order to be able to find any joy as we move into 2021, which, you know, we established is probably it is not going to be the end of COVID, you know, day one of 2021, it's not going to be the end of COVID that we've got to focus our eyes on God and not on ourselves. And as a part of that on Instagram, I said something to the effect of, I just don't see the word surrender in the word manifest. Like people are, people always say, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say this and I'm going to quote this and I'm going to manifest this future that I want. And I don't see surrender in that. I don't see humility in that. And so um, I think it's really important to, um, to remember that all those, all these things that we've been talking about, yeah, they are very humbling and that's where God wants us in a state of humility. And really humility just means that we care more about other people than we do ourselves. We put others above ourselves, and, and that's super important. So thank you for that. Um, one thing that, that I have been studying or thinking about prayer again, as we studied the Lord's prayer is the idea in verse 13 of the Lord's prayer that says, deliver us from evil. Now, some versions of that of verse 13 say, deliver us from evil, but in the Greek, it specifically means deliver us from the evil one, meaning Satan himself. And, and I had these visions when my kids were really little and, and still to this day, I still use this visual with them today. I would always tell them the enemy is not your friend. His job is to kill, steal and destroy that's all like, that's who he is. And that's what he wants to do. And he is not your friend. And we would talk about the verses in the story of Cain and Abel, where God said to Cain, sin is crouching at your door and its desire is for you. And when my kids were really little, we would sit in our homeschool room and I would point at the, the door and I would say, sin is crouching at your door. And they were so literal back then they would get up and go look, right. They would want to see <laughs> where is he, where, you know, cause they wanted to fight him off because they were wearing their capes and they were superheroes and they wanted to fight him off. And, and I still use that word picture with them today to help them understand that we are not just fighting against evil, we are fighting against the evil one. And there is, there is a very real enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And, and I read R.C. Um, Sproul's book, um, I think it's called The Prayer of the Lord. Again, we'll reference that in the, in the show notes if you want to look at it. It's a real short little book on the Lord's Prayer, but it was very powerful. He said, as scripture reveals, God often uses Satan to bring testing on his children. Thus, when Jesus teaches us to pray, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, he's not only teaching us to pray for deliverance from testing, but to seek divine protection from the wiles of Satan. And, you know, I have to say, now that my children are both teenagers, and I have one in high school, one in middle school, um, I find myself praying Lord, would you please keep them from the evil one? And, and we all know that temptations are going to come. Trials and temptations are going to come to our kids. There's really nothing we can do to protect them fully from that. But I love the idea of being able to ask God to turn my family away from them. Like, Lord, would you direct our ship? Would you, would you change the, the path of the rudder of, of my 15-year-old and my 13-year-old's ship? And even divert them away from those temptations, Lord. Would you keep them from the evil one and, and turn them away? And, and that's been something, you know, I guess I've just really realized that I want my children to, to be strong and to, to stand strong when the inevitable temptations do come. But, but I can pray that God would direct them away from them as well and, and that, you know, he would provide that protection. And I really just finding that deeper meaning in those verses that I've prayed over and over and over again has been just a real treat for me this year, especially as I pray for my kids. Yeah, that I always think of that. And I've talked to the boys about this, that we can't necessarily keep the evil way one away from them completely or evil influences or all of that. But we, but when we pray that we're also praying that they see the ways of escape and that they take them, you know, um, and I think that's as important as, you know, when they say deliver us from the evil one, it's like, 
you're going to encounter the evil one. Mm -hmm. Like you just are like that. He's, he's at work here on, on the earth. And, but God is going to help deliver you and you need to choose that. You need to take that path. And, um, I think that's such a, a good way to help kids visualize it is like, is like, you're going to, you know, you may come to a roadblock in the road and you can choose to just push through it, but you're going to get in trouble. Take the detour, you know, mm-hmm. that God's providing and go and go around it. So that's really, really good. And I feel like what you're, that prayer has become more and more important to me too, as they get older, mm-hmm. because they are just exposed to it more. Yeah. They can't, we can't, we can't shelter them forever. And those prayers are really important. All right. Well, I kind of alluded to this before, but 2020 has really taught me who's in control in all of this. And it's not me. (laughs) Newsflash, you're not in control, Aaron. And if you try to be, it's really not going to be fun. So um, I have considered myself a closet, closed fist parent. Like I look super fun and we have do fun things together, but I really like want things to happen a certain way for my kids and for our family. And for like, I think I know best about how all these things should work out. And like, I just got a big, like, uh, no, you don't, (laughs) especially this year. And it has been really freeing to open up my hands more and say, thank goodness I'm not in control here and you are God and I trust you. And I'm, and it's something I have to pray throughout the day because I can feel like maybe you, maybe, I don't know if anybody else does this, but I can feel it physically manifesting itself, especially in my shoulders and my neck when I am unhappy with how something is happening and think I know the best way for it to go. And whether it's like, a kid dealing with a friendship, whether it's how they're doing a school assignment. And I think that's not the way to do it. (laughs) You know, like, I mean, little things like that all the way to, I think their faith should look like this or whatever. I can feel it physically manifesting when I am not in control of it and I want to control it and make it happen. And God has had to just like, Aaron, we got to let that go. Like this year is so out of your control. It's not even funny and trying to keep up with it and make things be the way you want them to would have killed me with stress and, and disappointment and all of those things. And so if there's anything that I've learned this year is to pray every time I feel that. And a lot of times I feel it driving. I don't know why, maybe I have more time to think and I'm not like keeping myself busy, but that's when I feel it creep up. And I have to say, God, you, you know, this situation and you're in control. And I trust that your will, I mean, really that your will will be done, but I need to pray that and pray and say, I'm giving up control. It's yours. I trust you because I keep wanting to snatch it back. But a year like 2020, it has gotten easier because I have constant reminders of how much I'm not in control. I think and we've all kind of gotten like one big cosmic kick in the pants in 2020. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, like, oh, you think you know how should this year should go? Like, I laugh. I'm laughing so hard at the things about, I'm not sure about buying a planner for 2021. I'm going to see how the first three months go yes. and then we'll, you know, or isn't it funny that this is the word I chose? You know, yes. for 2020. and like, I've heard people say, don't one of you, not even one of you. I don't want to see anybody say 2021 is my year. We better <laughs> not say, we're all just going to walk in and pretend like nobody's there and see what happens. Like we're just going to tiptoe into 2021. <laughs> oh, no, it's goodness. so true. It's so true. Yeah. Like, do we have a warranty? Is there like a three month trial period before we decide these things. Although I can't even say a three month trial period because three months into 2020, we were fine. I can't relate to that at all. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I don't relate at all. Oh my goodness. That's I'm just sitting here like nodding my head and going, yes, yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. 
I think this kind of flows into my next thing that I've learned about prayer um, is thank goodness prayer is transformation. It's transformative. Something I started in which kind of found its way into the book, which a lot of people have commented on. And I really, it was something that's been very surprising to me is that there's a part where I just kind of identify my own heart, which is kind of what Aaron was talking about, about like, I'm, yeah, I'm stressed or I have all these feelings like I need to be fixing things or controlling things and just kind of naming those things. Um, and like dumping it out. Like, it's just like a, it's just like a dump, like where I just kind of pour it out. Let's say pour it out, pour it out is a much more eloquent way than dump. Dump is just not yet pour it out. And then to turn back and look at the scripture that's listed and what is true about God and take that in and allow that truth of God to change my heart. And so I remember a few years ago when we were going through just a really, really hard season and somebody said something about, are you different? Have you changed in all of this? And I thought, oh, I I thought and then said, oh, I hope so. (laughs) I hope that you know, Stacy this year looks very different than Stacy last year because of this transformation process of pouring out my own heart and receiving. Um, and it reminds me too, even what you said, Aaron, is I spent a lot of time in the past year just sitting on the floor with my hands up and I too, I'm a, I'm a white knuckler. Like I just, you know, I want to fix everything. Um, but I just made myself sit on the floor and pray with my hands open and just say, Lord, I don't know what you want to put in my hands today. And it it could be something like daily bread, or it could be a situation that I need to walk through with one of my kids, or it could be a chance to minister to somebody else. I don't know what you're going to put in my hands today, but I will receive whatever it is. And that is hard to do, to be in that place of receiving and not trying to, you know, control all the things. But I think little by little, I think especially through 2020, and I think as we go into 2021, is that prayer is a place that transformation can really happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, that we can allow ourselves the freedom of um, letting God transform the way we pray, which has been something that's happened to me in 2020. I don't know if this is just something, you know, that I I guess most women as they move into their forties and fifties sometimes have a little bit of trouble sleeping, you know, sleep becomes a more difficult thing as you get a little bit older, I've heard that from lots of women and it's been true of me. It's not that I have a a horrible sleep life, but I've had, you know, lots of moments where I just can't go to sleep. And it drives me crazy that my husband can go to sleep on command, you know, like he's snoring before I even put my head on the, on the pillow. But I have decided to allow God to set up the times that I pray. So I have times when I, you know, generally you know, at this time every day, you'll find me praying. I have a rhythm of prayer in my life. I I normally pray in the morning before the kids get up. You know, I usually set my alarm for 4.12 PM and we pray, you know, whoever's with me here, we just stop and pray for whatever, just whatever we're praying for people, certain situations we pray in that time. And then I always have had a habit for years of praying myself to sleep. Um, I just, you know, lay down and ask the Lord, okay, who are we praying for tonight? And he will put people on my mind and, and then I'll pray for that person. And then uh, he'll put the next person on my mind. And that just kind of goes on and on and on until I'm asleep and not praying anymore. But there have been a handful of times when I've just not been able to sleep at all. And so I quit complaining to the Lord and like begging him. Like my prayer was simply, Lord, please let me sleep. Please let me go to sleep, Lord. You know, because I know that I am a person who really needs sleep. I'm an eight hours a night kind of girl and I don't function well without sleep. So uh, instead of complaining about it, I have just said, okay, Lord, who do I need to be praying for? And I just keep praying and praying and praying and praying. And sometimes it goes on for hours and I don't end up getting much sleep that night. And thankfully this is not an every night kind of thing for me just yet. But I will tell you the nights that I have given God the freedom to just allow me to have that time have been so sweet. I have prayed for things and people that I, I otherwise never think about or things that I, you know, just pray about in passing during the day. I have spent 
30 minutes or more praying through every little intimate detail of the situation with that. And those times have just been so sweet. I mean, you guys, we're all moms. None of us really have the time for that level of prayer during the day. We just don't. We're running our households. We're doing the laundry. We're, we're doing ministry. We're helping our kids with their schoolwork. Like, I, you know, I don't even have the concentration or the ability to to hone in for that kind of in-depth prayer during the day. I just can't do it. I think maybe I'm too ADD for that. But at night when it's all quiet and my husband is asleep and all is right with the world, then I have some of the sweetest times of prayer. So I would just encourage you guys, the next time you find yourself awake at night, just allow yourself to be there with the Lord and maybe take it as a sign that God wants to use that time for something really holy because it is, it has been so, so sweet for me. I love that. That's just being like aware. Our church has been talking about thin places where we experience God. And this last week, one or one of the sermons in the last few weeks was about just taking time to be aware of what God's showing you. And that can be when you're like, what is going on right now? Like, why can't I sleep? Like just not, not wishing it away. And that actually goes along with what my next thing was about prayer, which is funny how that works. But my word for 2020 was present, like to be present. (laughs) There is no more being present with your family than being quarantined at home together. (laughs) So I will not pick that for next year. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Erin. You ruined it yeah. for all of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it's probably my fault. But, but honestly, I have learned a lot about being present with them home all the time for a long time. You know, they're, mine are back at school when we're not on holiday break, but I've learned a lot about how I was not being present for them when they were around by being around them a lot. And we all, like we said, we all need some time away from each other and stuff like that. But along with being present for my family, I learned a lot about being present with God and what he's doing and not just wishing away the way things are. So yes, I'm praying for the pandemic to end. Yes, I'm praying for, you know, like a return to whatever normal life will look like after that. But I'm also praying for God to show me what's going on right now and for my eyes to be open and to be more alert and aware for those opportunities to talk about things with my kids that may have just passed by in a flash if we were busier. And so just that prayer to be present for God and what he's doing and what he wants to do with us and that prayer to be present for my family, for whoever I'm talking to, to not zone out and miss that clue of something that could have been an opening, you know, that God was providing. And to be present in my feelings, which aren't always, you know, oftentimes we talk, and Brooke has talked about, we don't want our feelings to direct us, but it's okay to recognize what they are and be present and know and say, I am sad right now. And then, and recognize that and not wish it away, but ask God what he wants to do with that and, and ask him to do with that. And so just the slowing down and the being home has just kind of opened my eyes to like, I've never looked at that in our family that way. I've never looked at what God could possibly want us to be doing there that way before. And there's a lot of things that changed in our family and in my life with God because I was paying more attention and I was praying to not miss those moments and to not just live in a what's next stage. You know, you always hear those older moms that are like, oh, you'll miss these days and all that. And you're like, oh my gosh, no, I will not miss the three-year-old throwing a temper tantrum on the floor of Target. I will not miss that. And no, I do not miss that. But I do understand that sentiment as we're in a season where I have to pay attention more and I'm soaking it in and I'm like, oh man, 
I am glad I'm not wishing this away because I'm learning so much about my kids. I'm learning so much about my husband. I'm learning so much about our family dynamic and what, like, what are the things we do actually enjoy together and what's forced and what's like, Hey, you know, this is not <laughs> what our family is like and paying attention to how I hear from God, you know, like we talk about the different ways that people study and the different ways that people pray and the different ways that people worship. And like, I'm just trying to pay attention to all of that a lot more because I have the time because I know there will be a season where I don't. And I want to remember what this was like and carry it forward. Mm, That's so good. I think what you're saying is that prayer just makes you more spirit. It's like, you're just more sensitive. Like it just kind of makes you more aware. I think it's kind of like this, almost like, I don't know how to describe, like an antenna almost goes up where you're just, your heart is just more aware. Whereas maybe in the crazy of life that we've all had been living, we just miss it because we don't, we're just not open to it because, you know, we haven't been asking the Lord. I love that, Erin. I think you had a great word. (laughs) When I think about that though, Erin, when I hear that that was your word is that God was preparing you. Yeah. Honestly, really, really was because I had no idea how present I was going to have to be. (laughs) I think he was preparing you. And then he just took all of us with you. Right. Which was yep. really sweet. Thanks. Especially I, since you love a party. Yeah, you're welcome. I brought you along you. for the ride. Thank you. Love it. Love it. Um, yeah, my word was joy. So we can talk about that another time. Hey. <laughs> so that was interesting. Okay. So kind of in that same vein, one of the things that I've really come to understand about prayer, especially prayer in those places where you are very threadbare, or you're very overwhelmed and desperate is that, which I know. I don't think I'm just speaking for myself in this group that we all have been there or are there or currently there, um, is that prayer is how I hold on to Jesus. And in some of my, my most desperate times, my most weary times, I have not had lots of scripture, just like passages of scripture. I've just had like a verse or just one statement, even just come Lord Jesus. Like there hasn't been like, and I, and I say this because I love studying the word. Like I'm a Bible girl. Like I love to dig and investigate and, you know, all the things like I am most often in the word, maybe more than I pray in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like that's when I said at the top of the show, I don't feel like I'm a prayer warrior. Like I, I call me a Bible girl. Like I get that. But what, what I've noticed with prayer is that it just has become the way that I've grabbed on when it feels like I'm hanging by a thread that it's been the way that I could grab on to Jesus. And he's not required me to have passages of scripture rolling off my tongue. It's been just like, because I'm holding on to him and we have this relationship that he's also reminding me that it's really how he's holding on to me. That's what I've realized in the midst of just like clinging and holding by a thread. There's a verse that I share with Brooke that she's now taken and made it her banner verse, yes. um, which she can quote if she wants to go ahead and quote. She can it's quote Psalm 116 too. And it says that we serve the God who bends down to listen. I love, we will, I forget you say that now I forget exactly what it is, but it's like, we, it will, we will continue to praise him because we serve the God who bends down to listen. Like that, that verse was totally transformative for me. It, it helped me to understand, like, I can actually keep praying. I can keep praising because God has his, like, I always have this visual of God with his ear cupped, like bent down to listen to us. He is inclined to us. His whole posture is bent over toward us. Um, And I love that. It's like, we're not, we're not just out there in some cosmic, you know, playground where God has no idea what's happening over there with little Johnny and Susie, because he's been looking at Becky and Todd, you know, like he knows all of us and is inclined to all of us. That, that verse was so, so good for me. It really has changed the way I think about the way that I relate to God. I, I think it's because in our heads, we think when, when we're really struggling or we're overwhelmed or we've come up against this hard thing that God is removed. Like we believe that lie that God doesn't know what's happening to me. And that verse proves it wrong. And I, the, the translation that I love is, I think it's, I don't know if it's in a new living translation or, or it might be NIV where it says that because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Yes. And just that idea that, that he is longing, longing to hear from us, that he's that posture. I love that you use that word. His position towards us is he's towards us. He's not away. He's towards us. And so when I think about holding on to Jesus, it's not me trying to grab at him. Like 
he's not gone anywhere, but prayer reminds me that I get to hold on to his hand and that I have this beautiful invitation to join him in this holy conversation of prayer. And I, I get that glimpse of his heart towards me and it changes everything. It just really changes everything. Yeah, that's such a beautiful picture. I love to think of that as a part of a bigger picture as well, because if anybody is, is letting go in the relationship, it's me. Scripture tells me that God is, is holding on to me and he's never going to let me go. And there's freedom in that for me to know that I, you know, if I mess up or, or if I do let go of the rope, the rope is not gone because God has me firmly in his hands and there's nothing that can snatch me away from that. But prayer is the way that I hold on back. It is the way that I'm able to um, keep that relationship going from my end. And I love that. And I, I also love Stacy, how you said you're, you, you consider yourself a Bible girl, but not necessarily a prayer girl. But I think there, you really just, it's difficult for me at least to tease them away from each other because so often my prayers are influenced by what I'm reading in scripture. Like I just, I'll read something and I'll be like, yes, Lord, would you please work this in my heart? Would you please work this in my children's hearts? Will you do this in this situation? And they just, it just flows into the scripture just flows into whatever it is that's on my heart that I'm dealing with. And God is so good to use his word that way for us, that, that it is living and active and really does what he says it's going to do. And I love that, um, that, that word picture and, and visual that, you know, God uses his word as this springboard for our relationship with him. And even though he's holding on to us, all the time, never letting go. Prayer is, is the way that we hold on to him. So that's beautiful. I love it. Awesome. All right. Give us your last one. Cause this one's good. And I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. I believe that's prayer is warfare. Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> yes. I was like, I hope that's what we're talking about. <laughs> we kind of, we kind of tiptoed into that. And, and I, I fully mean this to be an encouragement is that, you know, when I, when I was writing Threadbare Prayer, it, it was, I just want to say the darkness like was pressing in. Like I could, there was things going on as I was writing that I could like literally feel pressing on me. And I just, I want to say this in a positive way. There's a reason why in Ephesians six prayer is mentioned though, not part of the spiritual armor that God talks about that we are to take on and put on. It's what activates the armor. And so prayer becoming that warfare, it's how we, how we gain the strength is how we lean on the strength of God that we remind ourselves that we're filled with the living, like you said, that the living word of God, that the same, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. Of course, when we're praying and we're in the word and we're engaging with God and we're seeking him and we walk worthy, which I think prayer is part of how we walk worthy of our relationship with him, of our calling, the enemy's going to notice. And the enemy's going to go, he's going to come after you. Sometimes that's a sign that, hey, I must be doing something right. It's not necessarily when the enemy comes after you that you're doing something wrong. It could be, hey, I'm, I'm actually walking worthy of the Lord. He's going to take notice. He's going to take shots at you. He's probably not going to use anything he hasn't used before because his, his, his weapons are the same. But prayer is warfare. And it is a powerful weapon that draws on all the power that, that raised Christ from the dead. And there's, there's nothing better than the power that defeats death. So we don't have to be afraid of that, but I think we just need to be aware of it. Yeah, I love that. I, I have this story that I've told before that I'll, I'll share that I really feel like illustrates what you're talking about. Most of you guys that are listening know that we had a very serious death in our family, not this past summer, but the year before my nephew passed away unexpectedly and he was in his mid twenties and it was just, it was a tragedy on every front. You know, it was just an incredibly difficult time for our family. And, and I remember going through the funeral and, um, you know, getting through all that and, and throughout this, the whole time, I mean, I was grieving, but my grief was so thick for my brother during that time. Like I was just almost more grieved for him than I was for myself, even though it was a personal loss for me too. And so I remember sitting on, uh, getting up on Monday morning after the funeral and just feeling like I woke up with this immense heaviness 
Like it just felt like I had gained a hundred pounds. It was a, it was a real physical, literal feeling of, I'm not even sure I can get up out of bed. And somehow I managed to get up and I went and sat down in my prayer chair and I'm sitting there and I'm looking, literally my, my Bible is on the table in front of me and I couldn't even get my arms to move to open the Bible. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the Bible and I have this thought, hope is in there. And I knew, I knew that if I could just get the Bible open, that I would find what I needed there. But I literally felt like I was bound and couldn't just, all I needed to do was reach over and open the Bible and it was there. And so I prayed And I said, Lord, I mean, it it sounds silly, right? Like just open the Bible, bro. But I just didn't feel like I could. I I physically couldn't. It felt restrained. And so I said, Lord, I need you to help me. I know, I know where to get help. I know where to go. And I just, I can't get there this morning, Lord. I can't get there. It just felt like the space between my chair and the table was this grand canyon between us and I couldn't get there. And so some, somehow the Lord gave me the strength to open, open the word. And I turn, I believe it's to Psalm 40. I don't have my Bible in front of me right now, but uh, literally the first words in that verse are, I will wait patiently for the Lord. And so I just sat there and waited for him to come and he came. And that's the way it is. Like if we, if you know where your hope is, if you know where to go to get it, if you, if you can get there, and if you can't get there, ask God to help you get there, then you're going to be able to find the hope that you need. And that's warfare. The enemy wants to bind us and keep us from getting to where we know the hope of God is, to where we know that we can find the hope that we need for life, the joy that we need for life, the peace that we need for life. He wants to keep us from getting there. But if we know where it is, we can get there. And sometimes we just have to sit, wait, sit and wait patiently before the Lord and ask him to come and he will come. And that's just the way he, this is the way he is. And so I I love that story, not because I am happy about what happened in our lives to get us there, but because God showed up for me in a major way. And as I sat there and waited, literally waited for him to come, he came and the heaviness began to lift. It's not that my grief all went away. It's not that everything was just magically okay, but I was able to get the hope that I needed for that morning. And um, the good news about that is that the hope that, that God has given us, it's not just something he gives to me. And it's not just something he gives to Stacy, And it's not just something he gives to Aaron. We are not the select three who get the hope of God when we go to God's word. It's available to anyone at any time in any place. And that's why we love it so much. And that's why we lift it up here. That's why we pray God's word, because we know that it is the hope that we need in order to get us through anything including 2020. So those are our, uh, I think we ended up with 11 things that 2020 has taught us about prayer. And I hope that those were an encouragement to you as you are looking forward over the next few days into uh, 2021, into the new year. Stacey, you know that we always love to wrap up our shows with uh, asking our guests to share a verse that they're currently praying on the subject of that, of that show. So I wondered if you could take just a second and maybe give our listeners a verse that they can pray as we're entering into 2021, maybe on the subject of encouraging them in hope or prayer or their relationship with the Lord. Yeah, I'm going to share another Psalms. And this is one that I have prayed continually, not just for myself, but um, I I love to use this verse to pray for other people. And it's the Psalms is Psalm 6-2. And it says, show me grace, eternal God. I'm completely undone. Bring me back together, eternal one, mend my shattered bones. And so the pull out from there for me has been, Lord, show me grace. And it's so simple, but there are so many moments when I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say, but what a beautiful picture of just saying, Lord, show me grace in this situation. And when you think about people, when God brings people to mind, and sometimes you don't even know why God has put them on your heart or they have a situation that's so difficult that you don't even like, what do I say? Like, what do I ask Lord? Lord, show her grace, just show her grace, show her your favor, show her your merciful, loving kindness today. Lord, would you, would you, 
reveal to Aaron that you are with her and in your grace, would you just woo her heart towards you so that she can sense your presence? Like, I mean, that's a simple prayer, but it, it brings the grace of God right into that moment. And so I know that, um, 2020 has undone us, hopefully. And my prayer for the next year is that God begins to mend those shatter bones back together. And I know that every bit of that is going to be done with his grace. So that's one I, I have been, I've been reaching for quite a bit. That's beautiful. What, what translation were you using for that? That is a, is a translation that I'm, I'm known to share often and it's called the voice translation. It's a little bit hard to find, but it's a little, it's a little different, but all the translations will give you the basic idea. I just happen to love that one. Yeah. I love, I loved that one. That's why I asked. And I'm a total geek about looking things up in every translation and being like, Ooh, speak to me, Lord, however my heart needs to hear it. And it, it does just hit you in different ways in different translations. So you know, if you're ever struggling with a verse and you're like, I really don't get it, just flip through a few different ones and he'll, he'll speak to you in different ways there. So thanks for doing that. Well, we are so glad you joined us today, Stacy. as always. If people want to connect with you, where can they find you online? Oh, that's my favorite thing to find people online. <laughs> I mean, if you can be here with me in central Florida, that would be great too. So, well, yeah, I would awesome. like that too. I would yeah, like we that would too. We would all yes. like that. Maybe 2021 will do that for there us. There you go. Um, we'll pray that. We'll pray about that. Um, so I am um, online at stacybacker.com is where all of the places are, but um, a little bit like in the Instagram most of the time. So at Stacy Backer um, and then on Facebook, it's official Stacy Backer. So those are the best places to find me. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being here. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. You can connect with other praying moms by following us on Instagram at Million Praying Moms or in the Million Praying Moms community at millionprayingmoms.com, where you'll find links and show notes for each podcast episode. And remember, with each new episode, we offer five free scripture-based prayers based on that show's topic. Simply visit www.millionprayingmoms.com and sign up to get yours sent to your inbox right away. Till next time. Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grotheis, host of Truth Tribe, where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app.